Good morning, Christ Fellowship. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning. And once again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are joining us via our live stream. I'm so excited to be here today with you. And as I was preparing uh, for today, I was thinking about uh, some traditions, uh, some remedies that maybe we grew up with in our home. Uh, I remember uh, growing up as a kid, I grew up in a Spanish home, so we had a lot of remedies for a lot of different things. And um, I remember one time uh, when I was just, uh, we were married and we were on vacation and our second child uh, was running around and hit his head and I used the first remedy. You can put up the picture. Um, I used butter. And I don't know about you, but butter heals everything. It, do, it doesn't just go on bread. It doesn't just go on your corn or in your food. I mean, our child was running and running, and he slammed into the corner of a kitchen cabinet, fell on the floor, and we ran to go see him to see if he was okay. And when he got up, he had this chichong on the top of his head, a big bump. And my cousins and I were all like, go get the butter, go get the butter. And Kirk is looking at us like, are you crazy? What are you talking about? The butter, you need ice. And I'm like, no, we need butter. You got to get the butter. You got to, you know, warm it up and squish it. And then you got to add some salt to it. And then you got to put it on the bump. And he was looking at us like, are you guys nuts? You just need butter. I, I mean, you just need to put the ice on it. And I'm like, the ice can go on top of the butter, but the butter's got to go on there. So that was one remedy that I grew up with uh, that we were used to. And I don't know about this next one. I don't know if you have this in your home, but we can show the next slide. And that is rompe pecho. I don't know if you had that in your home, but we had it. And the literal translation for that is break the chest. I mean, think about it. It's break the chest. It was this thing that you took if you had a cough, the minute that you had a cough, it was like, go get it, put this, drink this and take this, right? That's what we had. I don't know what you had. I hope I'm not the only one here uh, that did these things. And my all-time favorite, anyone that knows me knows that I have this. I carry it with me in my purse sometimes, but it's almost in every room in my house. And that is, go ahead and show with those that know me know that it is Vicks. Now, Christ Fellowship is not endorsing Vicks in any way, shape, or form. That's my disclaimer there, but this is my personal go-to for everything. If you have a headache, you take Vicks. If you're sad, you take Vicks. If you got the sniffles, you take Vicks, right? If you have a little cough, you rub it on and you put it under your nose and you're good. And if you have a really bigger cough, a deeper cough, you put it under your nose, you rub it on your chest, you put it on your feet and you put some socks on and you're good. Okay. So I hope that I'm not the only one that had this. I hope that there's somebody out there that can relate. And if you can, please type it into the chat that you can relate with me. You know, it's, it's funny as we think about these things, right? About stuff that we instinctively do. But today I want to talk to you about something that's greater that is available to all of us. Pastor Carlos mentioned that today we're starting a new series and it's called Miracles. And we're going to talk about uh, the miracles that Jesus did as he walked this earth uh, through different kinds. But for today, we're going to focus on the miracle of healing. 
You know, as you read the Bible, there's healing upon healing. And in the New Testament alone, there's over 30 different kinds of healings that Jesus did. He healed the sick. He healed the lame. He healed the deaf. He healed those that had even died and brought them back. Miracle upon miracle. And I just want to share with you today that we serve the God of miracles. Now, I'm just a little curious with everything that's going on. Has this coronavirus challenged your view of God's ability to heal? Let's be honest with ourselves. Has it challenged our view of God's ability to heal? See, I was looking online to see, you know, what people thought about healing, especially here in the U.S., before all of this happened. And I looked up the Barna Group, and this is a group that does studies for churches and religious uh, institutions. And they did a survey in 2016, and it said that most Americans believed that God could heal supernaturally, and it got my attention. But when I went in and I read it, and I saw the breakdown, it said that 33% strongly agreed that God could heal supernaturally, 33%. And then 30% somewhat agreed that God could heal supernaturally. So it was like kind of like, mm, maybe I think he can, I'm not sure. He says he can, that's the 30%. But 34% of people in the U.S. were skeptical about God's supernatural healing. And now I wondered if we surveyed those same people today, do you think that those numbers would change? See, I think that those numbers definitely would change. We can't ignore what is going on right now in the world around us. We got corona every day, everywhere that we look, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. That's all we talk about. And all the talk about this virus can bring fear and it can try to cripple our faith. But we have to silence the voice of fear and magnify the voice of faith in our hearts because God is still sitting on his throne today. God is still healing and God is still performing miracles. See, we've been hearing and seeing about miracles ourselves here and about healing. We've been praying for people that went into the hospital that were intubated. They were on these machines, and we've prayed for them, and some of them have gone home and are now home with their families. We've prayed for family members and people and friends and church members that have had the COVID virus, and they were sick, and now they're healed. And we have prayed for people with other things, and God has touched them and healed them. And as recently as last Thursday, the intercessors received a text of someone that they had been praying for. This person was going to begin a treatment for cancer. And one of the MRI results had come back that showed two spots in the brain. And they were praying that this would not be in the brain. And the intercessors were praying. And we got the report on Thursday that when they went back for the next MRI, those spots were gone. Amen. We thank God for that. We know that God is the God of miracles, that our God still heals today. And if you agree with me, please type amen on that chat. See, we also understand that there are moments that God 
chooses not to answer one of our prayers for healing in the way that we wanted him to. But by the end of this teaching, my hope is that you will have a better understanding that when God sees healing, he sees it with a greater understanding than we do. We tend to only focus on the physical, but there's so much more happening from God's perspective. You see, God has a different vantage point than we do, and there's so much going on there. God sent his son Jesus to heal us. We are in need of healing, and today I'm going to share with you one main uh, Bible story and highlight three different types of healings that he did then and that still apply and that God can bring into our lives today. It's important for us to understand that it is still available. It hasn't stopped. Just because Jesus died and was resurrected doesn't mean that his, heal his healing power has stopped. It's still going on today. So if you would join me, let's dive into the scriptures to raise our level of faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God. And if you have your Bible with you today, join me and open to Matthew chapter 8. We're going uh, to focus on the first four verses. And it says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And we're going to pause right here. You see, this was a big miracle for Jesus to perform. And there's a lot happening in these four verses. A little background on leprosy is that this was something that was painful. And it was a dreaded disease. You did not want to get this. Its symptoms range from little white patches on the skin to running sores to the loss of your digits and your toes and your fingers. And for the Hebrews, this was a dreaded malady that rendered its victims, right, ceremonially unclean, which what, what does that mean? It meant that they were unfit to worship God. If they had this, they, they, they felt like they couldn't worship God. Anyone who came in contact with a leper was also considered unclean. Therefore, lepers were isolated from the rest of the community so that the members of the community could maintain their status as worshipers. The leopard led a very humiliating and lonely life. Some sicknesses do the same today. They leave you feeling lonely, isolated, and depending on what sickness or disease you may be dealing with the way that people react to you or react to you having this may make you feel humiliated. Now back to the leopard in the Old Testament, if we read in the book of Leviticus, it says that leopards had to do something if they had this. The person with such an infectious, infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, 
cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. And as long as he has or she had this infection, they remained unclean. They had to live alone outside of their camp or their community. Now picture yourself isolated from family, isolated from your friends, outside of the community. And then you add on to it everything that comes with having a disease, right? The stress, what goes on in your mind. You're feeling humiliated, but now you have to walk into a room and you have to shout, unclean, unclean, when you walk into a room. And then you add on top of this that Jews suppose that this disease was inflicted upon you because it was a punishment from God because you had committed a sin. You know, and we think that that's only in the Bible, but today, how many times have we heard of people who are like, well, they got that, you know, because they were living in sin, almost as if, you know, well, they deserve it. What goes on in the mind? This is the leper. This is the person that was coming to Jesus. And the verse says here that while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. It speaks of a man in the advanced stages of leprosy. He was covered, which means you could see it, right? Now, advanced stages of leprosy bring us to a point where, you know, it destroys your nerve endings. And lepers would unknowingly damage their fingers or their toes and sometimes even their noses. This man with leprosy had an advanced case So he undoubtedly, right, if you can picture this, had lost a lot of bodily tissue, if you can just picture this. But still, in that condition, with the tissues, the bodily tissues gone, maybe digits lost, who knows what else, torn clothing, this man with this advanced stage of this disease of leprosy still came to him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And how do we know this? How do we know that this man believed this? How do we know that God could do something, that he believed that Jesus could do something for him at this moment? Who knows how long he had this, how long he had been dealing with this. And maybe it looked impossible to those looking around him, but he believed, and we know this because he went to the Lord. He risked everything. He risked going out and finding Jesus and going before him and bowing before him. He went seeking Jesus and asked him to heal him. Now here we see at first glance that the leper took a step of faith and that Jesus healed him physically and Jesus came to heal us physically. But the leopard's healing doesn't end there. It doesn't end at physical healing. In the past, we may have read these verses and stopped right there and said, look, he healed the leopard. But there's so much more. Let's keep going. In verse 3 of the passage, we read that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Why did he have to do so? When Jesus touched the leopard, he was still not healed. The leopard was healed when Jesus spoke the words, be healed. No, Jesus, he didn't touch the leper to heal him. 
He touched him to show his acceptance of a man who felt rejected. The Gospel of Mark, which records the same incident that we're reading here, mentions that Jesus touched the man because he was filled with compassion for him. Mark chapter 1, verse 41 and 42 says, Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. You see, we may feel rejected by people because of what we are going through. But Jesus wants to reach out and touch us. He wants us to know that while we may be or feel rejected by society, he never rejects us. He has compassion for us. He sees what we're going through, and he understands. The leopard did something interesting in this verse, and I'm not sure if you noticed it when we read it the first time. We already know that the leopard had faith and believed that Jesus was able to heal him. But was he willing? You see, it takes both the ability of God and the willingness of God for a miracle to happen. It is possible that God did not want to heal him. There's always that possibility. You know, we read about the apostle Paul who was stricken with an ailment. He called it a, a thorn in the flesh. And he practically begged uh, the Lord to help him, but God did not want to because the sickness serves the important purpose of preventing him from being proud from the many revelations from God. And we read that. We read that in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 9. It says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The leper approached Jesus to ask him for healing, but he puts God's will above his own. Again, it's like if you were saying, Lord, if you're willing, Lord, I really want to be healed. But more than that, I want your will to be accomplished. That's what he was saying to him. You know, a few weeks ago, when Joel was speaking, he brought this up, right? When uh, Jesus, before he was to be crucified, went into prayer and he was uh, crying and he was weeping and he was in prayer and he was before the Father and he was like, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass. But not my will, let your will be done. And it's the same thing today that we're talking about here. The leper said, Lord, your will, if you're willing to heal me. And it brings me to the second kind of healing here, which was an emotional 
healing. Jesus came to bring emotional healing. He came to heal our broken hearts, and he cares for our emotions. In the story of the leper, Jesus is willing to heal the leper. But as we read with the Apostle Paul, Jesus doesn't always respond with physical healing. And I'm fully aware, and I want to acknowledge, that right now there are some of you that are viewing today who have prayed prayers for healing for a loved one, for a co-worker, for a friend, or for a child. And that prayer wasn't answered the way that you thought or wanted it to be answered. And you're today with us, and you're brokenhearted. And your heart hurts because maybe that prayer wasn't answered the way that you wanted it to be answered. Or you're brokenhearted because that person is not here today. You know, the phrase brokenhearted is not something new. The Bible talks about it. It's, a, it's thousands of years old. In Psalm 69, verse 20, David said, Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. David wrote about it centuries ago, but doctors say it is a medical reality. When you go through a traumatic event, your brain releases chemicals to deal with it. And some of those chemicals actually weaken the tissue of the heart, and it's called broken heart syndrome. And what causes a broken heart? Here's some of the most common uh, ways that our hearts get broken. And the first one is we get disappointed because things didn't turn out the way that we planned, right? And we can relate right now. Things didn't turn out the way that we planned. We're rejected by someone that we loved or we're rejected by someone we thought loved us and the pain that that brings we resent others so much, and we're holding on to past hurts of things that have happened to us. That leads us to a broken heart. Maybe you're with us today, and you've gone through some really difficult situations and circumstances, and your heart is broken. You've been hurt by others. You've been rejected by society or rejected by a loved one. Your, your heart is shattered to pieces because you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and the answer that you were looking for did not come. But I want to share with you that Jesus came to heal you emotionally and to heal your broken heart. In fact, in his first sermon, he says it's one of the reasons that he came whether you've been let down by disappointment, by rejection, by resentment, whatever the reason, Jesus came to heal your heart. He came to heal you emotionally. Jesus said about the Father in Luke 4, 18, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And the Bible says in Psalm 147, verse 3, that God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Bandages their wounds. That takes time. That takes care. 
you know, moms that, that are on here, if your child gets some, a scrape on their knee and they come crying to you, oh, the care that we go to to cleanse it, right, and to put a Band-Aid on it, and we're so gentle with them, right? It's the same way God bandages our wounds. I remember when I worked in the hospital as a nursing assistant, and some of these wounds were deep. Some of these wounds needed a lot of care, and we did it gently and tenderly. This is what God is talking about. He wants to bandage our wounds in our heart. He wants to go in, and some of them are, are small, but some of those wounds are deep. Some of those wounds have been there for years. He wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to bandage your wound. That is what he wants to do. Charles Spurgeon says that there are many sorts of broken hearts and Christ is good at healing them all. God is the only physician who can fully heal a broken heart and he has never failed in his ability to heal. Sarah, David, Hosea, they're all from the Old Testament. They all suffered broken hearts for different reasons. Sarah was barren. David, he suffered a broken heart because of his trail of, of sin that brought this shame on him. And he was brokenhearted by what he allowed to happen. And in Hosea, here's this man that loved someone who didn't love him, who went out and found love in other places. But God healed all of them. A broken heart is an open heart. And an open heart is vulnerable. In this time of vulnerability, take a step of faith and let him be your refuge, your physician, your healer. And lastly, Jesus came to heal us spiritually and to restore us to him. You know, back to the leper. By touching the leper, Jesus would have made himself ceremonially unclean. Remember, you couldn't touch a leper. And the touching of the leper is symbolic of how Jesus would rescue us from sin by taking our sin upon himself and making himself unclean for our sake. 2 Corinthians 5.21 reads, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, this passage cuts to the heart of why Jesus had to come. He came to give his very life to save ours. He was born into the world so that he could die for the world. Paul says it this way in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And in Luke 5, verses 31 and 32, it says, Jesus answered them, 
It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And you know, we have a hard time thinking about our sin. We're not comfortable when we have to think about our sin and our own disobedience to a just and holy God. We're not comfortable with that. So Jesus uses an image that we can all understand and relate to. He talks about physical sickness. And specifically, he compares the sinner to the person who is physically ill and in need of a doctor. We all know that there are certain sicknesses that have cures, but we can only get them if we go and see a doctor, if we get treatment for them. If we go on without acknowledging it, without getting treatment from it, we're going to die. We're not going to have a cure, right? So we have to go and, and find this. And in the same way, we are all sinners in desperate need of salvation, which only comes through repentance and faith in Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we will die in our sins. And I'm not just making that up. Scripture says it in John 8, 24. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Only Jesus has the solution, the cure for our sin. Only Jesus has that solution for that problem. Jesus is the true solution to our sin problem. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And speaking about Jesus, Peter says in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And most of you on today know this verse, John 316 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life Jesus came to give eternal life to whoever believes in Jesus eternal life doesn't come automatically it just doesn't happen like that. You don't get eternal life, you know, like we grow hair on our head. That's not how it works. It only comes once you put your trust in Jesus. You have to believe in him. I'm going to go back to something that I said in the beginning. And that is that God sent his son Jesus to heal us. And we are all, every single one of us, is in need of healing. And the greatest healing that we can all receive is spiritual healing. More than a physical or emotional healing that we could ever receive. We need to receive the spiritual healing of receiving Jesus into our hearts, into our lives. See, God today, at this moment, he is still the God of miracles. And I want you to take a moment right now, wherever you are in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, wherever you are, I want you to take a moment because right now we are all going to take a step of faith. I want you to take a moment and assess, are you in need of healing today?
And you may be watching today and you may be in need of a, of a physical healing in your body. Maybe you've had something going on with you and it's been going on for so long that you've almost even given up hope. Or maybe you're listening to what the doctors say or what the internet says about what you have and how things don't look good. And I'm here to tell you that God is a God of the impossible and nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible for him. So you can take that step of faith and believe that God can bring healing to your life. If that is you, I want you to think about that. And if you're with us today and you're in need of emotional healing, your heart is just broken. You've been rejected. Your prayers, you feel like they haven't been answered the way that you wanted them answered. Your heart needs healing. I want you to join us and take a step of faith because God wants to touch you today. He wants to heal you emotionally. He wants to heal your heart. And maybe you're with us today and you've never had a relationship with Jesus or you had one and you walked away. But now today you want healing for that relationship. I want you right now in your room, wherever you are, to just stand up and take that step, take that leap of faith with me and raise your hands and believe with me and believe with all of us as we unite and we pray together for God to move and touch your body. Raise your hand right now. Father God, we just thank you and we praise you, my Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you are the God of miracles, that you are still active, that you are still touching and healing, Father God, today. We thank you, my Lord, that you are on your throne, Father God. That has not changed, my Lord. And Father God, we just come together and we lift up every brother and sister that is with their hands lifted up to you right now, Lord God. We pray, my Lord, that you would bring physical healing to those that are reaching out to you for physical healing, that you would touch their bodies from the top of their head to the soles to the tip of their feet, Lord God, that you would breathe on them, Lord God, and that you would bring healing, Lord God, to their physical body, Lord God. We pray for those, Lord God, right now, Lord God, that are sick, Lord God, that you would bring healing to their body that you would touch them, Father God. And my Lord, we stand together and we lift up those, my Lord, that have a broken heart, Lord God, those that have been rejected, Lord God, those that need emotional healing today, Father God, you know who they are, my Lord. I pray that you would touch them right now, Father God, that they would know that they are not alone, my Lord, that you are right there with them, Father God that you want to bandage their wounds, that you want to touch them, that you want to heal them, Lord God, completely, Lord God, and remove, Lord God, that pain from them, Father God. And my Lord, we lift up those, Lord God, that may not know you, Lord God. If you don't know the Lord and you're taking that step today, I ask you to just repeat with me and say, Lord, Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and make me new. 
Hallelujah. And Father God, I pray for those that are with us, Lord God, that may have strayed but today want to come back, Lord God, that you would reach out to them, Father God. And I pray and I ask you to repeat with me, Lord, forgive me. Heal me and restore me unto you. Father God, I thank you for every person that has taken that step of faith today, Father God. I thank you for the healing that you are doing right now, Lord God, through each and every single person, Father God. We give you glory. We give you honor, Lord God, and we worship you this day, Lord. We thank you because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we thank you, and we praise you, and we worship you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Now, if you took that step of faith today, whether it was for physical healing or emotional healing or spiritual healing, we want to hear from you. And we want you to send us a, a Facebook message so that we can connect with you and so that we can encourage you and come alongside of you on your journey. Don't hesitate to reach out to us. We love you. God bless you and enjoy this day. God bless you. Amen.